Thank you for joining a Black Man Sketch for a special four-part series commemorating Black history and culture hosted by Ujamaa Place CEO, Otis Zanders. Greetings, everyone. My name is Otis Zanders, and I serve as the CEO at Ujamaa Place. Welcome to another edition of the Black Man Sketch. This is the second of a four-part series that we're doing to commemorate Black History Month. It's an honor and a pleasure to um, bring about comments from the faith community today, and I'm just honored to have the Reverend Dr. Earl F. Miller with us, a man that needs no introduction throughout the Twin Cities, but just as a reference, the Reverend Dr. Earl Frederick Miller Sr. was born in Jackson, Mississippi. He has been married for 57 years to Eunice Miller. From this union, they are the proud parents of three children, 11 grandchildren, and one great-grandson. Dr. Miller is well-known wild throughout the United States. He's traveled throughout the United States as well as Europe and respected as a preacher, scholar, teacher, and community leader. Without further ado, good morning, Reverend Miller. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, to be a participant in the Ujamaa's Black Men's Podcast, and we're just honored to have you here to uh, as we go out celebrating this month. And uh, I want to get right into it, sir, just... As you know, um, uh, we are here to commemorate Black History Month, and I think nobody embodies that as well as you. Since the arrival in the state, you have been a community leader. You developed different programs to, shall I say, put an assault on poverty. And uh, that's something that uh, really resonated with me, your ability to to um, take your position out of the pulpit into the community and developing vocational programs and making sure that you're stalwart in this area. But you also, as a scholar, has presented so many things that we should carry with us about the African-American history timeline. So in your own words, sir, could maybe um, tell us how you would like to help us commemorate Black History Month? Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you on your program. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, he or she who gets behind in a race must forever remain behind or will have to run twice as fast to catch up. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the case for black people in America today. We are so far behind in the race. We're behind economically. We don't have any wealth. We don't own anything. We're behind educationally. Our test scores are lower mm-hmm. than any other group. Half of our children drop out of high school. We're behind in health care. And we fill up our prisons. How did we get behind that? How did we get in the predicament that we're in? Let me talk about that just for a few minutes. Please do. I want you, I want all of you to take a look at this African-American history timeline that I have put together. Uh, I want you to focus your attention on this timeline for just a few minutes. Listen, we were here on this on this continent, long before Columbus and before the first slave ship landed in 1619. Uh, we were here as, as explorers and fur traders and all of that. But, but our experience as African-American people started in 1619. That's the first mark on the timeline. 1619, when the first cargo of slaves landed on the shores of Virginia. 1619. So we have experienced life in this country as African-Americans for a total of 402 
years, if you look at the entire chart, 402 years, 244 of those years, we were slaves. Mm. Now watch this. For 244 years, our parents, poor parents, experienced the most devastating slavery system the world has ever known. Mm. And the reason they were so bad is because they declared us to be non-human. They first of all, they justified it theologically or biblically they, by, by saying that we are descendants of Ham, mm. whose descendants were cursed by Noah, Canaan, to be slaves to his brothers. That's found in Genesis 9 and 20. And then after they justified slavery theologically, they then made it a law. They declared us to be uh, counted only as three-fifths of a human being. And thus, we were considered to be chattel or property, to be bought and to be sold and to be used like mules, like a horse, or like a cow, or like a pig. And listen, we had no right that any white man had to respect. So for 244 years out of the 402 years that we've been here as a people, as the American people, we worked from sun up to sundown. We made no money. We worked for free. We made the white man rich. We made this country the richest country on earth from our free labor. And even today, white people still pass that wealth down from generation to generation. Now, we don't have anything to pass down because we never had anything. So we are handicapped economically, even today, because we work for 244 years yeah. without being paid. Now watch this. The typical white household has 15 times the wealth of a, of a, of a black household. 15 times. Mm. And all of this is because of what happened to us as slaves. And, and for 244 years, we got no education. It was against the law to teach the slaves to read. And you want to know why the there is an education gap yes. between black our black children and our white children because of that cruelty of, mm. of being against the law to teach us to read. For 244 years, we had no health care. Yes. Well, we had no stable family life. They, they, they sold our children away from us at puberty. They, they sold husbands away from, from wives and, and wives away from husbands. And, and white men did whatever they felt like doing with our wives and with our daughters and with our mothers. So so our four parents lived through the most devastating slavery system that the world has ever known. But like the Hebrew people, when they were slaves in Egypt, our four parents were a praying people. And this is how we survived because of our, our faith in God. They prayed, Lord, we're down here in a bad way, sleeping on the ground like dogs, eating hustle. Being mistreated like animals. They prayed, We know you're busy. We know you got to hang out the moon and you got to shift the stars around. Don't get in the hurry. The Lord, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by and my children and my children's children. And my friends, the only way we can see and understand what, what happened, how we survived, is that God answered the prayers of our poor parents. Amen. He sent a plague on this nation. 
just like he sent a plague on Egypt and the Pharaoh. And he would not lift that plague until they let us go free. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? The Civil War was their plague. Watch this. 620,000 white men died in that Civil War. Died in that plague over slavery. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation January the 1st, 1863, which led to the uh, abolishment of slavery forever. Now look at the timeline. Look at the timeline. 244 years of slavery. And then after that, uh, after that, another 101 years of segregation. So 244 years plus 101 years, which is basically slavery. Uh, is a total of 400 and, with, with, with the freedom by law of 67 years is a total of 402 years. So we have been really enslaved for two, 345 years out of 204 years. Wow. I grew up in the church during an era of segregation in Jackson, Mississippi. And Bergamic, you know something about being raised in the South. Yes, I do. You know, um, you know something about segregation. Yes. <laughs> segregation was really nothing but another form of slavery. Yes. With certain niceties and complexities. And again, the black man had no right that any white man had to respect when segregation mm-hmm. during the 101 years of segregation. Mm-hmm. They res- disrespected us. They treated us like dogs. They called us niggers, mm-hmm. boys. Everything but a child of God. Yes. <laughs> they lynched us and mutilated us and burned us and castrated us. Listen, 4,743 of our men were lynched during the period of segregation, Jim Crow. I attended a segregated school where nobody, we could not go to school with whites, we could not do anything with whites. I live in a segregated community, all black community. I had to ride from the back of the bus. I had to go in the back door of my doctor's office. I had to almost, black people worked almost for nothing, just like, almost like that, sacred. But the, but the, but the black church, the black church was our sustaining hope. It was the black church. And it was a period, segregation during the period of segregation. It was, it was when the black church was at its best. During an area, area when everybody was in somebody's church at that time. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was an era when black people became proud of being black. We changed our name. We changed our name from being Negro to black. Mm-hmm. And then James Brown came out with a song entitled, Spirit Loud. <laughs> Y'all remember that? Yes. I'm black and I'm proud. Mm-hmm. We had our bushes way out, like four, five, six inches. Brother, you remember that? Yes. <laughs> The church became the center for the fight against segregation and oppression. Almost all of our leaders came out of the black church. Martin King Jr., Ralph Abernathy, Jesse Jackson, Y.T. Walker, Andrew Young, and on and on. And and most of our uh, famous singers learned how to sing in the black church. Aretha Franklin, Al Green, uh, Whitney Houston. Gladys Knight, yes. Patty LaBelle, Sam Cooke, Marvin Gaye, Michael Jackson, yes. just to name a few. Uh, and one uh, of our historians, Dr. Pierre Lincoln, put it like this in these words. He said, listen, the black man's religion 
was the organizing principle around which his life was structured. He says his church was his school, his forum, and his political arena, his social club, his art gallery, and his conservatory of music. The church was all of that. He says it was the peculiar sustaining force which gave him the strength to endure when endurance gave no promise and the courage to be created in the face of his own dehumanization. If, if it wasn't for the black church, I dare say that we would either be crazy, drunk, or dead. Yes. We, we, we were nobody. We were nobody. We were nothing. They called us niggas. They called us nobody. But on Sunday morning, yes. On yes. Sunday morning, we could pull off our overalls. Yes. Women could pull off their maid uniforms. We could put on our Sunday go-to meetings, our suits and our ties. And our women could put on their beautiful dresses. And we could go to church and, and we could be somebody. Yes. And we could be somebody. And man could be a man. Woman could be a woman. And, and we could be leaders in the church. We could be black church leaders. We could be... Uh, president, and we could chairman of the deacons, and we could be uh, president of the churches, we could be leaders in the church, we could be somebody, somebody. Yes, sir. <laughs> president Lyndon B. Johnson and the Civil Rights Bill, July 2nd, 1964, which ended segregation. You see that? Uh, yes. 1964. Mm -hmm. Look at the timeline. So, so in 57 years, We've had a freedom by law. 57 years. Mm. Freedom by law. Look at the chart. Mm. Look at the whole chart. From 1619 to 2001. Uh, that's 402 years. Well, wow. 345 of those years, we were slaves and we were segregated. 345. We have experienced freedom by law for 57 years since yes. the Civil Rights Bill was signed well. in 1964. Well. Now, now, here, let me talk about it. This. this is our present dilemma. This is our present dilemma. I remember after the Civil Rights Bill was signed in 1964, most white people believed that the racial problem had been solved. They said, they got what they wanted. They got their equal right. Everything is equal. The problem has been solved. But here is, here is the, the number. Watch this. Look at the timeline. In spite of the fact of 345 years of economic disadvantage, and that's, we didn't get paid for nothing. Mm. In spite of the fact of 345 years of educational disadvantage, yes. it, it was against the law for them to teach us to read. Yes. In spite of systematic desecration of our family unit, and the, the, in spite of the fact, here it is, the psychological scar yes. that has started from 345 years of oppression. Mm. I mean, that's the one that we are not crazy as <laughs> In spite yes, of the yeah. fact that we had, we've had only 57 years, 57 years to right. catch up mm. since the Civil Rights Bill was passed in 1964. Listen, we as a people are For the past 402 years, if we had had equal advantage, 
mercy. Mm. Mm. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., again, he says, he who gets behind the race will forever remain behind and must run twice as fast to catch up. That is the dilemma. That is the dilemma that we find ourselves in right now. Now, here's the challenge. Yes. The challenge is this. Racism is a gift. Mm. It's institutionalized. Some white people aren't going to ever change. Okay. But no matter how much we try to help people to understand our problem, no matter how much we try to put our problem off on other folks, no matter how much we try to depend on other people to solve our problems, I've been around long enough. And Brother Anna, you've been around long enough yes. to see and to know that things ain't going to change. Hey. I said things ain't going to change. So watch this. If other people aren't going to change, mm -hmm. then what? We got to change. change. Yes. We got to change. <laughs> we the people got to change. Yes. We got to change what we're going to change. We gotta, we gotta, the challenge is, is, is we got to change from focusing our struggle and crying about what we don't have. Yes. To cheering about what we do have. You know, yes. We got to change from complaining about uh, what other folks are trying to keep us from and keep from us to claiming the things that God has already put in our hands. I see. Uh, 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 I, I might be kicking into a preaching mode, but <laughs> preaching mode, but Preach. I can't. <laughs> And, and that is that is what the Lord was driving in uh, in Exodus 14 and 15 and 16 when Moses and his people were down at the banks of the Red Sea and they were being chased by Pharaoh's army and Moses cried out, Lord, what, what, what am I going to do? And the Lord said, Moses, what is that in your hand? What do you have in your hand? You what you already got in your hand. Mm. God said to Moses, use what you got in your hand. Tell the people, then tell the people to move forward in faith. Moses, I know it doesn't look good for you and the people right now. Pharaoh's army is pursuing you from behind to destroy you. And the mountains got you blocked in on both sides. And the raging waters of the Red Sea won't let you cross. I know, I know, I know it looks like it's trap. But listen, Moses, if you use what you got in your hands and move forward in faith, mm -hmm. he said, I will open doors you cannot see, and I will make a highway mm -hmm. in the midst of your Red Sea. See it. And so I say to you, my friend, I know it looks bad. I know it looks bad for us as the people right now. Yes. We got disparities upon disparities. We got dysfunction upon dysfunction. We got trouble on every hand. Mm -hmm. But listen, let us never forget. Yes. God is still in control. control. Let me say that again. God is still in control. In control. Wow. Let us never forget that whatever dilemma we have, God allowed us to have them. And whatever challenges we have before us, God gave them to us. Right. And so let us never forget that if they are God-given dilemmas and God-given challenges, then God has already given us the provision for us to overcome them. God
God is saying to us, as he did Moses, use what you have in your hands. Mercy. you got a history of faith in God. So use what you have in your hands. So church and friends, we have two things to get through this thing. Number one, we got to have God. And number two, we got to have togetherness. Yes. <laughs> we got to have God because it's going to take the supernatural to get us out of this mess that we're in. Our disparities are so wide, and our psychological scars are so deep, and racism is so ingrained and so intimate that only an act of God can liberate us and see us through. No revolution, no no reparation, no education, no president violence, no federal government, but God. I'm going to say that with me. But God. But God. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank you so much, Reverend Miller. This has just uh, been amazing. I think uh, with the African-American history timeline that you walked us through, it's such a, the, the visual is, is so powerful. And it really does uh, talk about the disparities that you open up with. And uh, we as black people, we are aware of our disparities. But when you look at the periods of our history in this country that was in slavery and segregation under Jim Crow laws. And I think if we were to uh, keep our eyes on the prize and look forward, we can not make excuses for, for where we are now, but look at what we have survived. And I think this graphic illustration that shows that coming out of bondage and where we are now, how to move forward. And uh, no doubt that uh, through Edgar Jama, we have a strong spiritual presence that we have in our timeline as well. So um I can't thank you enough for for just dropping these nuggets on us and this encouragement. And what I love about it, sir, you painted the problem, but you gave us a roadmap to the future through God and through togetherness. So uh, on behalf of the Ujama family and all of the people that have been listening to this podcast, I can't thank you enough for this Sankofa moment. It's been very powerful. Words from a man of God. I just can't thank you enough for taking this time to walk us through this visual illustration of where we are and not to feel sorry for each other, but to be encouraged by the shoulders we're standing on and let's move forward. So God bless you, my friend. I love you. And we're looking forward to when we can get together and celebrate in person again soon. Thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank everyone here with us today. Uh, we've been commemorating black history and culture this is a four-part series featuring community leaders. You can find a black man sketch everywhere you listen to podcasts or at ujamaplace.org. Like a black man sketch on Facebook. <laughs>